Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in a series we're doing called Developing Well. Um, this series is all about the Beatitudes. It sprang out of the last series we did, Do You Want to Get Well?, which the, the question Jesus asked um, that I, I just is, is so uh, deep in, in its reach into our lives. And we, we studied it for months. And coming out of there, we're, hopefully we've said yes to that. Now it's, you know, what goes on next. And um, we're, we're talking about, as people have said yes to the question, do you want to get well, how we cooperate with the Spirit of God and how he develops us as uh, citizens of the kingdom. And that the Beatitudes are kind of the characteristics of the citizens of the kingdom. And we, we, we're up to the fourth one now. And what we've said about the Beatitudes to this point is that um, they seem often contradictory, um, that, that it doesn't, they don't always make sense um, when you first read them. Um, and I, I said that Jesus is undoing a lot of mess in the process. The, the Beatitudes begin the Sermon on the Mount which is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. The Beatitudes are right in the beginning of Matthew 5. And he's really undoing the mess from the established religious community. And so he's, he's having to make people stop and think. Uh, and, and because he wants them to get focused on God so they can change. And I also said that they, they build on one another. And we'll see that um, particularly today. How the one that four really builds on the first three. They're all building, but they build towards that. And they continue to build. And that, um, that, that development, though, isn't like once we get through this, we're done. We find ourselves back at the beginning all the time. And, you know, the first one is, you know, blessed be the, are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven is, is the realization of our desperate need for Jesus. And that, that's the healthiest place that we'll find ourselves in life is realizing that we can't do it without Jesus. And so we're back at that one all the time. So I want to dig in today into the fourth beatitude, but you know, from the intro to that, we do a little transition, and uh, it's usually bad jokes, and, and um, um, it, it's, we're coming on Christmas now. And so as I was thinking about that, you know, it's Advent, Christmas, all those things, um, and I've been doing bad jokes for a lot of years here. Uh, some of the classics came up to me that um, happened at this time of year, and uh, you know, some of them I do so often that they really can't do them anymore, like... Like, I'm not doing this one, you know, because most of you know this one, and it, we still think it's one of the all-time favorites here, which was, you know, um, um, what, does, what did one snowman say to the other? And the response is, do you smell carrots? And that's one of our classics here. Um, and uh, really, it's probably the funniest joke I've ever told, I think. Still holds that title to this day. It's, you'll, that one will stick with you like no other joke. I don't know why, it just does. Do you smell carrots? It's a, it's a classic. And then at some point in time, I followed that up um, with um, how I was at Winn-Dixie in the produce section, and I actually saw a, a snowman there. It was kind of interesting, and then I looked and realized that he was picking his nose. And, uh, <sighs> but I'm not going to do that one either because I've done those. But I am going to go back to one. I did years ago, and somebody reminded me of it, and, and I have I'd forgotten all about it, and, and uh, it, it, it's a classic in its own right. It's not as good as the two snowmen, but um, it's pretty good, and uh, it's, it, it, it takes place in, because uh, uh, I was thinking, that, you know, we put our nativity up here. I'll move away from the camera so you can see it. We have a real nice nativity here, and uh, it's one of my favorite things that comes out every year, and uh, this story is about a nativity scene in a, in a southern town. 
Um, now, we're in the Keys. This really isn't the South. Most of you know that, that you've, you sort of, you pass through upper Florida and Georgia and all them, and you leave the South and you start coming North again. I don't know how that works, but that's what happens. But I'm talking in the South. Um, there was a nativity scene, and there was a, a tourist from up North who was there, and it was fascinated by the nativity scene. It was really well done. And he was looking at it, and it had great detail, and it was one of the best nativities he'd ever seen. And yet, on the three wise men, there were fire helmets. And he was really perplexed about why there was fire helmets on the three wise men. And so there was a diner nearby, and he, he decided he would go in, and maybe he could find out why. There was nobody there to ask. And he went up, went up to the counter there of the, of the diner, and there was a, a woman behind the counter. And he, he says to her, um, listen, that's a wonderful, wonderful, uh, beautiful nativity you have there in your, in your little town. He said, but I'm, I don't understand. You know, why are there fire helmets on the wise men? And she said, well, they, they set the nativity up according to the Bible, and that's in the Bible. And uh, the northerner said, I, I don't really ever, I've read the Bible. I don't remember anything about fire helmets on the wise men. And so she pulled him deep south. She pulled her Bible out front of the counter, and she kind of ruffled through it. And she found the scripture you were looking for, and she pointed at it. She said, see, see, it's, it's, it's right there. Look at it for yourself. It says right here, the three wise men came from afar. Second Corinthians 5, 11 through 21 is our scripture reading today. Put here on purpose. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we're out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Um, so we continue with the progression of the Beatitudes with the fourth one, which is this, and we're going to dig into this today. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So, um, you know, our scripture reading today was talking about being new creations and what that looks like. And really, that's been the journey that we've been on in the Beatitudes. Um, uh, the, the first three Beatitudes are really dealing with barriers, potential barriers um, to, to the kingdom of God and to being citizens in the kingdom of God. And in the first three, we've been challenged by Jesus um, to turn away from self-seeking, from self-satisfaction, 
and from self-serving. That's really the underlying message of the first three Beatitudes. And, and in these verses um, that, that Jesus challenges with, it, it causes us, the, the impact is that, that we become very much aware of the impact of sin um, on our own lives, on the lives of people we're in relationship with, and we've also talked about the impact on God. And, and that this reality um, moves our hearts um, when we realize what lengths he's gone to to give us life, um, this reality moves our hearts towards wanting to live for him, to live a life worthy of the sacrifice that he's made on the cross for us and, and, and to experience um, you know, the full and abundant now and forever life that Jesus has come to bring us. The, the very reason we were created was to experience that kind of life. And yet we've gotten so lost along the journey um, and so deceived by our adversary that we've lost sight of that. And Jesus, um, in the Beatitudes, really, as we say yes to the question, do you want to go? Well, he's bringing us back now. And he wants us to, to look um, at these things in our life so that we can be healed from them, but we, we can't be healed until we realize how messed up we are, how broken we are. Uh, and not in a, uh, we, we, we don't want to look at it in a, in a way where we, we sort of beat ourselves up but in a way that realizes our need for a savior so that we come to Christ, so that we can experience life. And, and the first three are moving us in that process. The four then is this desire, since because of what he's done and our, our realization of what he's done, that, that our life, you know, we desire to live differently for him. That um, we, we live for Christ not in, because we're trying to earn anything, because the realization is we can't. We, no matter what we do, we're, you know, we're just so broken. But in response to what he's done and the love that he shows for us and has given us and the life that he's come for that we might have, um, our desire then is, is to live less for ourselves, consumed by that, and begin to live for him. And this is the, the journey and the process of our lives, and it, and it kicks off here in the fourth beatitude. And it's an interesting beatitude, and I, I want to break it down and talk about it just briefly. And so the first point there in your notes is about hunger and thirst. Hunger and thirst. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, it says, for righteousness. And um, the ideas uh, of hungering and thirsting, and, the, and the, actually the, the word used in the Greek are um, of, of, a, of, a, of a rampant thirst, and you know, just a, a tremendous hunger. Um, Jesus is, is describing the passion of a person who has taken in how amazing what God has done for us really is. Uh, it's, it's the result of a person who has taken a good look and, and realized the depravity of their sin and that it was their sin that, that put Jesus on the cross but has also realized that Jesus said that, that it was the joy before him, set before him that he endured it, that he, he takes joy in us and wants to have relationship with us. And when we, when we take that in, when we, we take in the lengths, when we take in the Christmas story that Jesus came, fully God, fully man, born, into the world the way we all were so he could um, so we could he could understand us and 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 sympathize with us and 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 live this life um, that we live um, and yet he never sinned but but see he gets us and when we begin to take in the the lengths and the measures that God has gone to our heart's response is to live for him to live differently it's it's really what um, what triggers us to to start you know changing the way that we live and uh, the hunger and thirst 
are the primary needs in, in our life, or two of the primary needs in our life, and Jesus is comparing the pursuit of righteousness to these basic needs of life. Um, he's saying this in, in, in Matthew 6, 33. It's, it's kind of the same thing. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. It's a, it's a changing of, of trying to do things in our own strength and then beginning to live for him and trusting in him to um, you know, give us the life that we long for but that we can never achieve in our own strength. And so the pursuit of righteousness is as necessary to the spiritual life of a citizen of the kingdom of God as the pursuit of food and water are to our physical needs. That's, that's where that starts. That beatitude starts with. This is the, the, the level of passion. This is, this is the, the need that we have for his righteousness in our lives is, is as big as the need that we have in our physical lives for um, something to eat and something to quench our thirst. So we're to hunger and thirst for righteousness. So here comes an interesting thing in the second point. What is righteousness? What, what, is, what are we hungering and thirsting after? What does righteousness look like? And there's a lot of ideas um, in the church about what righteousness is and what he's talking about there. And uh, it's changed over the course of the history of the church as people have worked through it and thought about it. And um, Is it the in, imputed righteousness that, that we have because God now sees us in Christ? Uh, um, is it an infused righteousness uh, that happens as we as we choose to follow him? And there's been a lot of debate and, and things that go through. But um, uh, what I believe it's, is this, um, and you're going to hear this because you're here to hear all the time, but I believe what we're talking about is is about living by trying to do the next right thing. That this is, righteousness is about right living in response to what God has done. Holding in context the reality that we're far from perfect and that we often won't do the next right thing and yet God sees us in the perfection of his son and that when we do mess up we can go to him um, and we should always go running to him and we confess our sin to him you know which means remember confess means it's not just saying you know oh God I'm sorry because you know that doesn't usually work it, it means confession means we go to God and we say God you were right and I was wrong that's that's really what confession means we, we go and confess and he because he sees us in Christ he just loves us and he I love you so much and he he just encourages us and empowers us to go again and to live by doing the next right thing and and so to me this is the idea of what we're pursuing this this righteousness this living by doing the next right thing and it I think he he builds that picture more uh, as we continue on in the Beatitudes that we're going to look at in the weeks ahead. But let me just read them to you from Matthew 5, 6 through 10. Because I, I think it's, it's interesting if you watch what happens. Blessed are those, we're in verse 6, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And we just read that. 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And now verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, so now here in verse 6, it's about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And then in verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And so something happens between verses 6 and 10, where they go from hungering and thirsting for it to being persecuted for it. And what I think happens is that verses 7 through 9 are, are a, a nice explanation 
of what righteousness is like and, and why I said it's living by doing the next right thing. And it's developed in verses 7 through 9. Blessed are the merciful, they'll be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they'll see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called the sons of God. And this idea of living by doing the next right thing, of righteousness, is about mercy, purity of heart, and peacemaking. And that, that this is all part of, of the dynamic of living by doing the next right thing. And that as we dig into those in the weeks ahead, we'll see how it all sort of pulls together. But, but this, is, this is the idea, I think, of, of what it means to um, pursue uh, you know, righteousness, to, to, to go after it. With all. It's, a, it's a way of living um, in reality before God, aware of how much he's done for us, and then out of that, passionately desiring to live for him and, and, and you know, moving away from living for ourselves. And then the third point um, of this beatitude is, for they shall be filled. For they shall be filled, which is a fascinating thing. So uh, this is another one of the paradoxes in the beatitudes. Those who hunger and thirst shall be filled. The, and in effect, what it's saying is, because of the, the passionate uh, use of the language, um, the people who are the hungriest and thirstiest are also the people who will be the most satisfied. It's a paradox. Because you would think that the people that are hungriest and thirstiest are going to be the people that are hungriest and thirstiest. But in fact, the people that are hungriest and thirstiest are going to be the most satisfied is what that's saying. And, and paradox, there's a lot of paradox in the Beatitudes. Um, and there's also quite a bit of paradox throughout Jesus' teaching. And, and similar to the parables, Jesus uses these methods of teaching um, because it requires you to think more carefully about what's being said. And, and, and so if you listen and you, you hear it in paradox, you have to think about it a little bit. Because you have to think about that. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Huh. Um, he, he says things like that. You know, Jesus said, whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. Paradox. Whoever loses his life shall save it. That doesn't seem to make sense. If any of you wants to be first, he should be last of all. Jesus taught that. Whoever wishes to become great shall be your servant. These are all paradoxes. Um, some more current examples of paradox, um, and maybe, maybe you relate to these more, because they make you think. Um, you can save money by spending it. Doesn't it sound weird? But can you? I can resist anything but temptation. That's paradox. That was supposed to be funny. <laughs> it's too late now. Nobody goes to that restaurant because it's too crowded. Deep down, you're really shallow. It's a paradox. Last one, all-time favorite paradox. Microsoft works. <laughs> I'm probably going to cut all that out before tomorrow. One of the things that um, you have to develop well, spiritually, and, and that's the heart of this beatitude, I think, is a spiritual appetite, um, a spiritual hunger and thirst. And what this beatitude really points out to us is that the citizen of the kingdom of God is at the same time hungering and thirsting and also being filled. And that the more you hunger and thirst, the more you're filled. See, that's, that's this cool 
paradoxical teaching that Jesus is bringing. He's saying, listen, uh, the more that you seek after and pursue, the more that you hunger and thirst for righteousness, for, for, for living rightly in God, the more satisfied you're going to be. And the more satisfied you are in Christ, the more you're going to hunger and thirst for more of him and the more satisfied you'll be. And that's the process. See, that's what's so cool about living for Jesus is, is that it's, it's this ongoing from glory to glory kind of existence. It's, it's, it just keeps us moving forward and that the, the closer we draw to him, the closer we're drawn and, and the, 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 the more we experience life, the more we want to press in even further. And, and that's what he's, he's stirring people up to in this fourth beatitude is a, a passion that, that won't rest that's, that's without you know, being in, in full pursuit of him, of, of realizing that, that our own efforts, we're never going to experience life, but life is found in him. And, and that as we experience that life in him, it, it draws us ever closer to experience more and more of that life. In John 6:35, it says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. So as we go with our hunger and thirst, pursuing after him, and as we find him, he satisfies us. And then we're, we're hungry and thirsty for him, and he satisfies us more. And we hunger and thirst more, and he satisfies us more. And this is the process that we're digging into in this beatitude. And so, so it's just a, we're exhorted to fix our eyes on Jesus and, and to follow him with, with all that we are so that we can experience now and forever full and abundant life that Jesus came to bring us. And, and this is what he's desiring to develop in us by his spirit. And so we, we, we hold this one now in the context of the others. Um, and blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Seek him with all that you are. This, just go after him with all that you've got, because that's where you experience life. And next week we're going to come and we're going to start talking about mercy and what that looks like. And, and, you know, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. And how amazing is that? And, and this is what he wants in us as citizens of the kingdom to continue to press into him that we might experience the life he has for us. And that's what we'll end up with today. If you're watching on television or on video, thank you so much for spending these moments with us. We appreciate your time. We know how valuable it is. If you need prayer, just go to our website and, and uh, there's a prayer page there and we will pray for you. If you need questions, you can, you can use that same page or go to the phone uh, number and call us and we'd be happy to pray for you as well. Thank you for spending your time with us. We hope you'll see us, uh, you come and see us when you're here in Big Pine. Have a great day.